joining me now is Lynn White. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. I apologize for all the inconveniences this evening, but here we are together for the first time, and I'm glad you have reached out to me, by the way, Lynn. Oh, thank you. I'm just, I'm glad that you actually responded to my emails. I love your channel. I love what you're doing and what you stand for. So, no, I'm honored to be on your show tonight. Thank you. Lynn, I have to ask, how the hell did you find the show? Okay, so I actually run a blog that's called Psychic Focus. And what it is, is people will submit questions to me. And then I go in and I do intuitive readings on the various questions that they ask. It could be political, spiritual, histories, mysteries. I mean, you name it. It's a very unique collection of topics. And what it was is someone had sent me a link to a video that you did. And I think her name was... um, Laura Manuel, does that sound right? It was uh, talking about this virus that's going uh-huh. around and different theories about it. And I was turned on to your channel from there. And I really liked what you stood for and what you're doing and putting some truth out there. So I reached out to see see more about what you're doing. Excellent. Well, I appreciate that. Yes, Linda Emanuel. Linda Emanuel. Okay. So I'm I'm assuming one of your uh, one of your listeners out there or someone who follows you, they were quite interested in her work and then. They were curious to see what you thought, so you checked it out, and you liked what you heard, and you followed it along and heard other shows, and I apologize for some of the other shows you've heard that are quite a little out there. Um, sometimes I get a little embarrassed of the program myself, because sometimes I go off and say some ridiculous things. Oh, don't ever be embarrassed. I've been doing this uh, publicly since about 2012, and I truly... I am so open-minded on so many different topics. I I listen to it all. It's, well, I go nuts sometimes. <laughs> I go crazy sometimes here. Oh, no, you're fine. You're okay, fine. good. So, Lynn, please go ahead and tell us about yourself. Well, um, you know, starting from when I was a little kid, I always knew I was different than everybody else. I could see things, hear things, feel things, other people around me didn't necessarily experience, but I didn't really understand it. We didn't grow up in a spiritual house. We, you know, ghosts were pretend, anything paranormal was all in your head. So I suppressed it most of my life. And when I got older and I met my my now husband, he was really interested in all of this stuff that I experienced, telling him stories from when I was a kid. I'd had an imaginary friend that now, hindsight, I realized probably was a ghost that lived in my house and all these other things. And he really tried to, I guess, get me to come to terms with it and accept it, even though I was scared to death of it because I was worried I would draw in some kind of negative entity or some kind of poltergeist or all these things that they program you to believe that are out there if it, if it, Within your realm, it's going to be negative. Well, I hid from it, didn't want to talk about it. He kept probing. He thought it was really interesting. One day, he decided he'd buy me a psychic reading for a gift. And to be honest, I didn't even know if I believed in psychics. I thought that, you know, maybe it was just parlor tricks and all this kind of stuff. So I go in and I do this reading. I was curious. I was open-minded to it. I was um, really kind of wondering how this process worked. I went into this reading, took off my wedding ring. You know, I didn't want to tell her my name. I just wanted to see what she could get. And I was pretty surprised at information that they could deduce or that she could deduce just from hearing my name and uh, pulling stuff out of what I didn't 
you know, really understand where it came from. And after the reading and she shared some things with me, she mentioned that they did development classes on Thursdays. So I ended up going to development classes and then everything kind of made sense from there. I realized how to harness or make sense of things I felt and saw and sensed, you know, all these different emotions I had that other people around me didn't seem to express that they had. And from there, I started to actually my husband encouraged me to start a blog. And it was more of a a way to journal my progress. You know, when you go in and you have an experience and you journal it down. And then from there, I opened it up to the public. And yeah, my husband, he's big into conspiracy theories and the moon and the pyramids and all that. So we'd do these little sessions where he'd ask me questions. And from there, he'd take his notes and put it out on the blog. And the blog ended up and we opened it up to the public just more for practice and experience. And it kind of blew up. And I've been doing it, like I said, for um, about eight since. years now. I see. And going back in time, what about mom and dad? Were they in the picture? <laughs> okay. So in growing up, um, my family, I wouldn't say they were super religious, but, you know, my dad Kinda. went to church. My mom kind of did the church thing on Easter and Christmas because she stayed home to make make. Uh, Sunday dinner, that kind of thing. It was just yeah. a very traditional nuclear family growing up. And uh, like I said, anything that was considered paranormal was was just made up in your head. You know, there was heaven and hell, and really nothing in between. Did you ever so, ask mom and dad about some of the experiences you had? Would that ever go on? Oh, yeah. Okay, and, so that's know, what happened. My imaginary friend okay. or... You know, irrational fears of the dark or, you know, there was always an explanation that right. would seem logical, but as a kid, maybe it didn't feel so logical. Um, you know, and then fast forward to, to now, I have people all the time ask me, you know, how did you get to where you are? You know, because it is a really confusing thing when you're a kid and you're growing up and trying to make sense of it all and, and people around you, you don't, it's not a popular topic and it's not, not something that, at least when I grew up, I grew up in a really small town. You know, that you talked about a lot. Well, exactly. You, know, so. you don't really mention it the first time you, you meet somebody. But, yeah, anytime you talk to someone who's had an experience, it's always something that happened very early on that led them down the road of the, you know, paranormal sort of realm, mm-hmm. which leads to everything else, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, the universe definitely guided me to where I'm at now. And I'm very thankful for it because it was very confusing <laughs> Um, you know, at one point I thought I was maybe even mentally ill because oh, so I just th- didn't understand it. This was problematic is, is what you're painting the picture now as, correct? So, um, was this something that I guess was going, did you have some sort of episode at all that, uh, maybe caused concern for mom and dad? Uh, I would say the biggest thing was my imaginary friends because, there was a little girl that I'd play with and have conversations with. Oh, wow. And occasionally her brother would show up and he would apparently, he would seem to be bored with us because we'd play Barbies. We had these whole conversations and I can remember hearing my mom talk to my grandma and she would say, you know, when she's over there talking to her imaginary friend again. And one time when I heard her, I was old enough to know what the word imaginary was. So I started to ask my mom, why, why would you tell grandma that I have this imaginary friend? What, you know, why would you say that? And then she would sit and talk to me and say, well, I've made this up in my head and, you know, just different things like that. And as you get older, 
and you start to maybe see this friend less and less because I noticed when I started elementary school, my friend didn't go with me and we kind of grew apart, but it was more like how your friend moves away and you grow apart. You still remember them, but they become less influential in your life. And as I became more distanced from it, I sort of suppressed it and just pushed it away. And it came back, I assume. It would from time to time. And the odd thing would be that, you know, when you wouldn't think about it and you'd suppress it, it would kind of go quiet, but you always have that lingering feeling, you know, sure. someone watching you is, is, uh, someone's over your shoulder. It's kind of the same feeling you get when you pull up beside someone in a car and you look over and yeah, then they look feeling. over at you. Yeah. You just feel that. You feel that need to look for some reason. You don't know why. And occasionally I would see things. Uh, I would just have a lot of bizarre instances happen that you want to rationalize away. I mean, as humans, we're really good at trying to make sense of things that don't make sense because I think that's part of our self-preservation is sure. to try to make sense of everything. And that's why we see uh, faces in clouds and uh, rocks. Yeah, that's absolutely. How our, that's how our mind is. You know, the mind, the mind will make you see what the mind wants you to. Yes, absolutely. The mind sees what it wants, in other words. Yes, it will. And it will try to dismiss and make sense of things that it can't make sense of either. By the way, Lynn, I, this is completely off topic, but, you know, I was on your website and I couldn't help but notice your, your very, very blue eyes. <sighs> you have the, the bluest eyes I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, I was going to say, are you wearing contacts? Jesus. I not. I inherited that from my dad. Wow. So your, your, your old man has really powerful blue eyes, too. Yes. Wow. Wild stuff. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, go to her website. You can <laughs> see for yourself. But yeah, I, I came across your photo here and I thought, wow, look at her eyes. Hmm. Very blue. Maybe it's a good camera. <laughs> I don't know. I do not have contact now. Wow. Well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, Lynn, how exactly did you get led down to being, I guess, a certified life wellness coach and getting into Reiki and all of this? How did that begin? So after I started doing readings for people, I, well, one, the, the community is kind of small. So when you start to network and meet other people, you see different modalities that other people do. And so I met people that did astrology. I met people that did Reiki. I met people that did um, tarot or just different types of healing, foot reflexology, all these different things. Well, Reiki, I was really drawn to it. I was really drawn to the ability to help people heal. Plus, I liked the idea of the spiritual component of it. So when you're working with someone and helping them with different ailments that they have, or you know, maybe moving energy, that type of thing, you can also tune into them intuitively. And it's, it's almost like your intuition helps guide you to know what you need to do. The two work in harmony really well together. So I pursued becoming a Reiki master because of my interest with that. And then from there, after you know, doing so many readings, I realized that some people, they have questions. Some people, they just want to talk. Some people, they just you know want to connect to someone else. And that's where I felt like the, the coaching aspect was something that was calling to me as well, because maybe they don't want a reading, but they need help working on something in their life, a goal. And the difference is when someone's wanting a reading, they have a direct question. They want help and they're asking for something. Understood. Life coaching is a different perspective where it's more the client drives the 
the session. You know, maybe they have a goal they want to lose weight. You you ask them, hey, well, what would be something you can do in your life that could change your life and, and make your life better? They're answering you. It's not you're telling them or you're giving them insight. You're making them realize they have the insight within themselves and answering their own question. But that's the goal of coaching is to pull that out of someone. So depending on their need, I liked being able to help from different aspects. Right. I see. And of course, all of this comes together as it always does. And um, you've been doing this since 2011, I believe, right? I started doing a lot of the development classes around that time frame. And the blog, I really started to do a lot of work with it in 2012. And when I first started it, I would say, hey, you know, if you have a personal question, I'll answer that. Or if you have a general interest question, we'll put it out on the blog. My goal was to just really get experience and practice because, you know, you learn from every session just as you're helping people. It's it's a symbiotic relationship. And I did that for a long time till I just, the the demand became so great that I had to actually start charging for readings. And (laughs) I I converted my my practice into a business because, you know, it was a way to give back to my family for the time I was spending doing it, which I love doing. And I, I really had this disconnect and this hard time charging money too, because I felt like it made it not as authentic. Sure. I, I really had to get over that and I was a lot of talking with my husband and he mm-hmm. you know would would tell me, you know, you're exchanging your time for money. You can't look at it like money's bad, but He's right. Really, yeah. But I I just for me, I focused on helping people and everything else came from that. And it ended up being a really nice nice business that I've created for myself from nothing. Sure. So I'm very humbled. Oh, eventually that amazing. those two do meet eventually, yes. The hard work and being rewarded, not just through happiness, but financially too, at times, not always, but that's um, a bonus, I guess you can say. Yeah, absolutely. Because I really do feel like what I'm doing is my calling and it's so rewarding. And I mean, you're making a difference in people's lives and right. making their lives better. I know, look at you, Lynn, you are kind of like a psychiatrist to these folks now. In some ways, yes. And I have to really watch because people will ask me questions and a lot of times whether you know just something as simple as should i move Mm. i i will respond by saying i can't tell you what to do but here's what it will look like if you stay here's what the picture looks like if you choose to move this is what the picture looks like but you have to choose which picture you you harmonize best with what resonates best with you because I don't want the responsibility of telling someone what to do, but I can tell them what their pathways look like. And that's the way I approach it. That's a safer way. But yes, it it is kind of difficult to tell people what to do when in reality, at the end of the day, people are going to do whatever they want, right? regardless of what you tell them. Yeah. And I, I acknowledge that. And I, plus I don't want the responsibility of, you know, what you told me to do this and I did it. And this is what happened. Like I, I always tell people, Go with your gut. Go with what resonates best with you. Um, you know, do your research, all those kind of things. But I can tell them what different pathways look like or what I get. Yeah, they'll, yeah. You know, they'll, they'll say, you told me to move and I moved to Florida and now I have COVID. And they blame you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Good example. You never, you never know. <laughs> yeah, so you definitely have to cover all your bases. And now we are at the portion of this interview where I have to ask... Where did you meet your husband? Let, let's talk about the husband. Oh, my goodness. Where did so, you meet him? Was it love at first sight? What, what was going on? 
Okay, so it kind of was love at first sight. Oh my! It's kind of embarrassing. It's okay. We, we, we met we, at a bar. Oh, keep and, going. Nice. And um, what it was is I was there with my friend, and it was kind of ironic. It was a Friday. I didn't really feel like going out. Worked all week. Was tired, and she wanted me to go out. And that's ah. what I was like, man. I could just stay home and watch TV. She said. You know, she's like, girl, you're ready. Let's <laughs> go. We're going to go out. And uh, there was a DJ there we liked. And so we got all dressed up. She convinced me to go out. And when we were dancing on this little podium thing, because the crowd on the floor was just really dense, full of people. Sure. Well, I looked down and there he was. He smiled at me. I smiled at him. And I just walked right up to him like I've known him my whole life. And from that point forward, we've been together. And wow. We've been together for 20 years. So... So the, kids, so the the world was at a standstill for that moment in time. In other words, it really was. Wow. It really was. Look at you and four kids. Four kids. Very yeah. nice. And I hope you don't want me asking, but how old are they? Um. So my I, I have one that's almost sixteen, almost fourteen. Nice. Okay. Um, Twelve next week and almost ten. So are, we got all boys, or what's going on? Uh, girl, boy, girl, boy. Oh, okay. Very nice. And um, how are they doing with everything that's going on in the world? How are they handling this? Because um, here we are, 2020, it's almost 2021 pretty soon. And I have to pinch myself almost every day to tell me that this is actually going on. Mm -hmm. It's um, my kids are, are very free thinking because my husband and I are very free thinking. Yeah, and I like that. We don't really subscribe to all the fear. Mm -hmm. And we've taught our kids, you know, use critical thinking, use, um, you know, logical sense about things. So they're not really scared. They play the game, you know, they wear their masks to school. Sure. We're on this hybrid program where they go two days one week and then, you know, three the next. So very kind of screwy school schedule right now, but they're okay. The, the challenge is, is some of the friends that are, have parents that are more in the fear vibration than what we are. So... You know, the play dates are limited, the, you know, how do you, can you, can you explain that, that for, kind of stuff? Yeah. But, Lynn, how, can you explain that for me for a moment here? What, what do you mean the fear? Some people are very, um, it's almost like they've made focusing on this virus, like a part time job. You know what I mean? Like they, between the sterilization or the being antisocial and the distancing and the, you know what I mean? They're like oh, so worried okay. they're going to catch it I see. at every turn that, They've really hindered their kids from being able to go out and socialize or go to someone's house or, you know, I, I'm saying use good common sense, but sure, sure. I'm not, I'm not walking around in this thing that I, I feel like the virus is out to get me kind of thing. You know, I almost feel like people draw it onto themselves. If you worry so much about it, you're going to law of attraction, bring it to yourself. And that's an interesting point, but you are fully aware of the severity of the, the virus. Obviously you're not a, a dumb woman. Both you and your husband are quite intelligent. I'm, I'm very sure of that. And I know you're taking care of your kids, obviously, but you definitely know that the virus is definitely not something that you nor your kids want to contract, obviously. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a very real thing. I think it's something that we need to be aware of, but... But you don't need I to be wearing like a hazmat suit, in other words. Exactly. I, I mean, I, I you. think you need to wash your hands. I think you sure. give people appropriate distance. I think, you know, you do the things that you're supposed to do, but I don't also feel like I, I can't leave my house or I can't interact with people or, you know, 
walk around outside or that kind of stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? You're I, talking about the overly precautious types. Yes. Yeah, the, the ones that wear the mask while they're driving alone in their cars. Yeah. Exactly. I see. Like I, yeah, and I just I don't um, I just don't sit and obsess about it. I I treat it like, hey, this is a real thing we have to deal with, but. I don't make my life about it. Right. I don't watch every news thing. I don't seek it out. I don't, I just don't resonate with that. And every other parent are, what are they telling you now? I'm curious. Well, just some of them are very scared. I don't know. Yeah. They're just really scared. You know, you can't get in a car. You can't, you know, eat in a restaurant. It's a a logical fear, but uh, people are always going to probably be overly scared of things. I, I understand that. It's the unknown. This is a very new virus, a very nasty virus, unfortunately, with an HIV. Mm-hmm. Go completely ahead. terrifies people as well, because if you think about it, when you go and you say you go search on YouTube, everything is doom and gloom. Pretty scary. I mean, yeah. they don't say, hey, you know what? This is great news. We have realized that 99.5% of people are going to recover from this. You don't hear it in those terms. All you hear about is how, what's, what's the death count? Death, what's the, right. You know, it's, it's presented to us in such a way that if you don't really think it through, it can become fearful and grab a hold of you that way. I just choose to look at it like, okay, this is pretty optimistic here. They've got some treatment plans in place. They've got, you know, here's what the recovery rate is. Yeah, you don't want to get it. You don't want to ever inflict it on someone you don't want to bring it in your home but i try to think about the optimist you know be optimistic about it and not the fearful side of it well you do understand there's lots of folks out there that are slightly um what's the term hypochondria Mm -hmm. or hypochondriac i guess you can say yeah no i agree and i just don't think our media really tries to put things in a positive light. Oh, of course not. Of course that. not. And that just exacerbates the situation even worse. Right. So you're not really following too deep with it. And that makes me wonder. So where exactly are you in terms of COVID-19? Do you believe this was like a man-made virus at all? Or do you think this is something else? Just a natural occurring virus? I, I, don't think I've ever had this conversation with you or ever heard you address this, so I'm curious. Yeah, on the blog, I've talked about it um, okay. some, but I, it, it's been a while, and you know, it's just really hit and miss. When it first came out, people asked me a lot about this, sure. and I completely think that this was a man-made virus that got loose, and I think there's a lot of agendas tied to it. I think they want to get us vaccined. I think... Um, Bill Gates is really pushing hard to get ID 2020 and get us all chipped. I think that's part of it. I think part of it's political because so many people have hatred for Trump. They cannot see anything positive right now because they are determined to get him out of there and get Biden in. I think there is so many multi dimensions to what is going on right now. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. And I don't even necessarily believe all the numbers are even accurate. I think so many people have had it that haven't even been counted that the the survival rate would even be more so if we had everybody that had it. I I mean, I know people that have had it in our family, two of them. Oh, wow. And are they okay? One of the guys, yeah. Um, okay. So my husband's cousin, he works for a manufacturer for cars, so he has mm-hmm. to travel. And he went to China, and this was back in January. Oh, before damn. we even knew that this thing existed, 
and he came back and he was really sick and they tested him. Um, somehow he ended up, it must have been right at the cusp of when it was coming out. He had a test and he actually had it. And he said it felt like the flu for like a week. It was like a hellacious flu for a week. And he got better and people in his family got it. And his wife didn't get it too bad and his, his two boys didn't. And he said it was just really horrible for about a week and then he was fine. But um, like his wife and, and kids, they didn't get in the data system, but he was because, you know, it was affiliated through his work. And so I, I think there's so many people out there that have had it. They don't even know it because it just manifests as a really bad cold. You think you've had the flu, you feel like crap for a week, but maybe you don't feel bad enough to go to the doctor. Um, you know what I mean? So I just, I don't even know if I believe the numbers that are out there. And I don't even believe the numbers that are out there. I, yeah. It's very hard to trust the numbers, no doubt. But again, I accredit that to the virus being so new and most of America and most of the world not being prepared to handle something like this. Who could be prepared to handle something like wow. this? And I, I know the death rates are quite low and... They're even lower out here where I am. Mm. I'm in a very small desert town called El Centro, California, way mm. down south. And mm. yeah, the cases are quite low and the death rate is quite low. The recovery rate is quite high. But the problem uh, for me personally speaking and from what I've gathered for since this has been going on, I see that perhaps the virus may not be as deadly as they claim it to be or they wanted it to be. And I credit that to this virus being an incomplete virus, which is why it was traveled uh, it traveled from America to Canada to China and probably back again down this way. Mm -hmm. I believe this thing was being worked on and it, it's just an incomplete virus. That's why it behaves the way it does in such a erratic way. And I also, this is now, now we're going to get back into the conspiracy angle. I'm starting to believe that perhaps it's being spread in another way that we aren't even aware of. I mean, if you can recall back in the early 2000s, the FBI, they were being accused of spreading anthrax for a while, if you recall. Well, I had a theory with that, and I, uh -oh. I had done a reading, and it was right after Trump did one of his rallies, and there was kind of a surge of an outbreak. And I, I got in a reading, and mind you, this is just my intuitive take on it, that sure. Because I do think that one of the parts of the agenda is to get him out of there. And there's just, like I said, this incredible hatred for him that where conservatives, where there's pockets of conservatives, I feel like they're spreading it intentionally to blame it on him and his rallies. Now, mind you, you can have, you know, these other protests going on and all this other stuff. But when he does something, it's immediately demonized. And I got that the way they were spreading it was they were actually doing it on the swab that goes up the nose. And think about it. If if it was really as, I guess, heavily spread through, you know, your no your like your mouth and all this other stuff, because that's why we're wearing our masks is because of the droplets or whatever. Shouldn't they be able to swab your mouth? Why do they have to stick a uh, you know, Q-tip all the way down your throat up yeah. your nose. If it's if it's really like spread through these, you know, your breath and all that, shouldn't you be able to breathe in a breathalyzer? But no, they they've got to get back into those mucous membranes. And I feel like they were using tainted tests. And I it's possible. I know people on my blog say, yeah, this guy he got a test and tested like a turnip or something, and it came back positive. Like half the stuff coming back positive isn't. I think there's. Tainted tests out there. Probably, I, just, yeah. I really don't believe 
so much of the stuff that's out there. And that's another reason why it's just hard for me to get ramped up in all this fear. I'd rather just use common sense, wash my hands and not get in people's faces, treat it like a hellacious flu. And I don't want to get it. And I don't want it in my, my house kind of a thing. Sure. Yeah. You definitely don't want it. And again, we mentioned the low death rates and the high recovery rate. However, what perturbs me the most, and this goes back to 9-11 again, and the first responders, just like uh, just like that event, COVID-19 does sort of the same number on the lungs and heart. So it's the longevity of having this thing in your system is mm-hmm. what worries me the most. And I've been talking to different different folks in the medical field, doctors that won't come on here, those that have studied the uh, basically the whole uh, genome of this virus, basically, and they have mentioned that there are HIV-like uh, inserts that are mm-hmm. in the virus. They have the HIV uh, protein inserted into this virus, and that's not something you see done by nature. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I believe you. I mean, they had people studying it in Wuhan, you know, seeing how would this mutate and go to a bat, and they were saying how it would take so many mutations for that to happen that it didn't just happen the way that they're saying it. It's not even biologically possible. I fully believe this was man-made as a bioweapon and it got in the wrong hands, I think somewhat intentionally. I mean, Fauci in 2017 talked at Georgetown, had it, he was a keynote speaker, and he said this administration is going to experience a pandemic like they've never seen before. How right. did he know in 2017 that this was going to happen Unless he was in on it. They knew something. They were trying to develop this thing here in the United States. When they couldn't do it, they sent it over to China and paid what? Like, was it $3 million? $3 million. You'd have to fact check me, but it was some absorbing like amount that. of money. Right. And they sent it over there. They knew, they knew what they were going to do. They knew when Trump got in office, I mean, they've tried impeachment. They've tried, you know, how many different things have they tried to do to get him out of here? And this is their last ditch effort. They are so desperate to get it's turned over away from the conservative side. I just, I think that people are just their collateral damage to get what they want. Understood. And one of the reasons that led me to believe that this virus is being spread in another way that is not being obviously not being relayed to us but early on in the game i recall a what what's described as a believe was a christian death cult like a uh, group in south korea that they were being blamed for spreading the virus uh not only amongst themselves but other people out there in south korea i believe the name of the church was called the shinjanji church of jesus mm-hmm. So definitely look into that, and there's plenty of articles that talk about this, and they were obsessed with the end times, and I was talking about how, well, early in the game, I was talking about how groups like this are probably spreading the virus. Who knows? You don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I had not heard that theory, but... Yes, the South Korean I church, look into it. it. It's a, it, it, They're considered a cult. So yeah, look into that. It's insane. Wow. I'm. It's, it's strange, because before I did, I got into readings, I... I kind of took things for face value. You might question it. You might think, oh, that doesn't sound right. But the more I'm exposed to this and, you know, tune into it and think about it and, and do these readings, I mean, it's really changed me to where I, bet. I don't want to say I'm cynical, but I just, there's very few things that I actually trust. I, I don't blame you. I don't realize the games that are played and I, just people are pawns and all this. It's crazy. Right. 
and of course never be surprised by the pettiness of human beings either. Mm-hmm. So you're right about that. Perhaps it's 2020. I don't. I don't just throw it off off the table completely. You know, I don't rule it out. Anything is possible now. So who knows? Maybe there was a conspiracy to remove Trump from office. I don't know. We've seen that with the Democrats, however, that that's not exactly a conspiracy. That's much more of a fact at this point. Oh, absolutely. By the way, I'm not, I'm not a politic, I'm not politically affiliated with any group, by the way. I uh, am without any affiliation with any group or religion. I solely think for myself. But at this point, I, seeing how everything's been going the past couple of years, it, it'd be very hard for someone like myself to ever support the Democratic Party at this point. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I agree with you. And I, I will say that was one of my challenges, too, is, you know, you have to take your personal bias out when you're right. doing these readings. But when you see things and you're like, you, you get these little epiphany moments and some of this stuff that they can they call conspiracy ends up not really feeling like a conspiracy, but more of a reality. You're right. It's hard, you know, after afterwards, it shaped my opinion. It's definitely, you know, made me, uh, I would say I've never been one of these people that's either strictly Democrats, directly Republican or anything like that. But the order I get, the more I do this, I mean, I've voted both ways. And I, I'm like you, it's hard to really align with with anything on the, the Democratic side, because it's almost like I would have considered myself a moderate, but the left is going so left that what once was moderate is now very conservative because that's the left right. is just going so left. I guess that's a better way to explain it. Well, now you see Obama as being a Republican. Oh, really? I had not seen that. Well, I mean, I didn't feel if, like if he you, was. He feels so socialist. Well, I mean, him. if you compare him to what we have today, I mean, oh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I mean. I mean, what they're presenting is just—it's uh, like, what country are we in? Yeah, I mean, it's just—it's not even something you ever it's a little, would hear. Yeah, I mean, it's think a little about radical. Ten years ago, <laughs> to now, it's a little wild. That's true. And of course, I'm sure you saw the debates last night where we saw. Yes, where we saw Trump and Joe Biden go head to head. I was saying on the show, we're going to see two political titans meet face to face. Two men enter, one man leaves. And Mm -hmm. my goodness, we saw Trump basically steamroll Joe Biden as expected and predicted on my show. And Mm -hmm. here's the thing. I also said, if you're going to debate someone like that, you know, you, you almost have to fight fire with fire. You almost have to get nasty and say all sorts of derogatory things to your opponent, especially an opponent like Trump, who will just completely mangle you if you just sit there and let him do his thing. And that's what happened to Biden. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Donald, the Don, he drew first blood. I mean, he went nasty. I, I, I Let's be honest. He brought up the sun first. So mm-hmm. at that at that point, you have to shoot back and you have to attack the wife or his son in my book. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you see me as being wrong at that, but that's exactly where I would go. If someone like that during a, a debate went there, that means I have to fire back at you, hitting you below the belt, too. Yeah, I agree. I watched it. I um, The one frustrating thing that I had, and I kind of understand it because Trump's personality is the, the constant interrupting, interrupting. and over-talking. Yeah. I, I, just, I wish he would have let Biden talk for a second and then, then go at him. Well with punch. I hear you. No, I'm with you on that. And, you know, it's the fault of the moderator, Chris Wallace. Yeah. He's terrible. Yeah. 
He didn't really manage it. And no. my husband and I, we were joking and we're like, we should, they should just say, here's the rules. You have two minutes with 10 second grace period and your mic gets turned off or something. I mean, it's exactly. be a better way to facilitate it, but yeah, I that, don't know. That was really also my other complaint with the whole thing. Just the constant interrupting from Trump. If he would have just, you know, calmed down a little bit and then unleashed when he when it was time to it would have been mm-hmm. uh, much better for the voters out there who are undecided the ones who mm-hmm. are on the on the fence uh if he would have given off that that impression you know being much much more calm and collective and being more presidential that would have really uh thrown everyone down uh, a spiral yeah and i agree with you completely and the thing of it is too is the left i mean Everything that happens, it could be a tornado in Kansas and they're going to blame it on him. It's just that's their logic. And it's like, don't give them another reason to say something. Granted, they'll find something to pick apart. But I was like, oh, man, just let him talk. I wanted him to be able to let Biden get a few words in and then go in and counteract it. Yeah, it was a little annoying. I agree. Yeah. A little annoying. I'm sure plenty of listeners out there at home will agree with both of us here. He should have backed away a little bit. Maybe they should have turned off the microphones and maybe that's what they'll do the next time they debate. I don't know. I don't see Pence being that way in Harris. I don't, um, I think that'll be a lot more mellowed out, but yeah, uh, that's the next one, I believe. And then the one after that is another presidential one. So another, I don't know. we'll see. We'll see what they do. Another sparring match. Yeah. That was actually, that was entertaining for a little bit, but then again, all the interrupting kind of killed it at for after that point i would say yeah completely agree my goodness my goodness well i'm looking forward to that and i'm curious now since all of this is going on the world seems like a mess right now with a pandemic and uh civil unrest going on how have you been uh dreaming and sleeping lately that's what i'm very curious about have you been experiencing any sort of End times scenario like dreams. What's up with that, uh, Lynn? Well, I mean, I I will say I do have a little bit of anxiety going into November because I originally thought that no matter what, Trump was going to win. That he's going to walk away and he's going to have a second term. I always I saw that. I saw that at the beginning of twenty twenty. But then, you know, there's there's always these free will things that can intervene, and I'm watching. The Dems. I'm, I'm seeing what's going on with this virus, which I, I see part of it in ramping up the fears to get people scared to go out and vote. So then they want to do mail in voting. And that's an easy way to, to, you know, commit voter fraud. I mean, I just I see so much thing. I see so many things that can go wrong on November 3rd that there is a chance that Biden could win. So I don't feel maybe as confident about Trump as what I once did only because of that free will intervention and the fact that, you know, there's always fraud that can happen. And I get that, you know, if, if Trump does win, they're never going to accept it. And there's going to be riots in the street and it's going to be worse than any Black Lives Matter movement that you could ever see as far as like, you know, these protests and things that are going on. But if Biden wins, I don't see the conservatives taking that either. So I fully expect we're going to have a month of chaos while they count and recount. Well, they count the, I see. Yeah, at least. I will be shocked if we go into 2021 knowing who the president's going to be. I mean, I I have a lot of anxieties getting through this year. I also Mm. think that we're going to have a major 
comeback of of this virus around this time just did trump up the fears they're gonna you know it's like this time of chaos that we're in right now so yeah i do have anxiety about it and my husband and i we have uh, some property a little bit south of us about an hour and a half that's out in the woods and you know it's kind of like our backup place to go that's where you might go city because it's it's scary and we have four kids so we've been you know making modifications to it taking food and all kinds of stuff in case we end up having to stay there for a little while to weather this storm because i just i don't see any peace on in november i don't I, either I think no matter who wins it's gonna be yeah. chaos i'm i'm one i'm 100 backing you on those claims i personally don't see one president sort of standing in the way of of uh, civil unrest to be honest with you if even if Biden wins, I still fully believe that we're going to see riots. Absolutely, because conservatives will not take it. They, whether it's legit or not, they're going to think he cheated to get it. And I, I just see it being this thing of, of them fighting it. No matter who wins, they're not going to accept it. They're going to want to recount votes. They're going to, I don't know if they'll even want to do a whole new election. I mean, I can just imagine that it's going to be the most chaos that right. you could ever imagine. It could be another civil war. I mean, that's I think what I'm it's thinking. Be really ugly. And yeah. I'm so, afraid, yeah, I'm afraid that's going to happen. Coming but... into November, it's like you want it done and over. It's kind of like ripping the Band-Aid off. Just <laughs> do it so we can know what we're dealing with and then move right. forward. But right now, I just feel like we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah, we're just calm before the storm. Yes. That's really what well, it kind is. Of calm. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say calm, but um, calmer, I guess. So you predict a second wave, which many experts believe is coming. And I fully believe another wave is coming because I think people, well, I shouldn't say just people. I should say something is going to spread the virus again. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. And there was a theory out there that they were going to do something to the food supply and some, spread it through that. And That's possible. Yeah. The interesting thing about it was someone had asked me about it. And I think it's called brucellosis, I think is maybe how you say it. And they were talking about putting that virus, which is a bioweapon that was made in like the military and they have put it back on the shelf or whatever. But someone had gotten some insider information that they were going to put it in prepackaged food and this preservative food. And it's something that can be tainted in uh, dairy products and that kind of thing. And that was one of the readings that someone had asked me to do. Hey, is there any legitimacy to this? Could they actually do this? Could they taint our food supply? And when I thought about it, I thought that they thought about doing it. But because of all the information that was out there, it sort of delayed their plan. And they realized that they still had more time before they felt that they had to act upon it. Because the real goal was to get people terrified so they could manipulate this election through having people here to go to the polls or whatever it may be. And what is really weird... After I did that reading and I put it out there that it's still an idea that they may pursue, but they've held off on it. Uh, one of my clients told me that their whole district offered to do free breakfast and lunch at school. You didn't have to be income, you know, need, sure. you know, it wasn't need based based upon mm-hmm. your income. Just every student got free food. The free and food, thought, right. Wow, that's weird. Nothing's free. Well, then my school district where my kids go, my kids came home and they said, hey, mom, we can get free food. And I'm like, what are you talking about free food? And they said, yeah, we get free breakfast and free lunch. And I'm like, do not eat any of that. I pack your food. I want to know what you're eating and what, you know, and I guess kids are even taking home food in bags and stuff. And 
I thought, okay, this is crazy because nothing is free. And if they're giving out free food to students and kids out there, why? What's the motivation? What's I don't in know. the food? Yeah, my spidey sense went off and said, you know, this is this is not a typical um, behavior out of at least our school system. So I do wonder if they're trying to do something with the food. Well, there's a long history of uh, poisoning the well, where that phrase came from a very, you know, that's a very old expression that even predates um, Christianity. I mean, back in the day, that's what they were doing. They would poison the well. And that goes all the way back to ancient Mesopotamia and, you know, which is modern day Iraq now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Messing with the, with that region's water supply was always a great tactic. Well, think about it. Schools are just going back. Kids typically have a really, they handle this virus well, I guess, you know, if you were to say it that way, but if you're bringing it into their homes and infecting people that way, that would be like the Trojan horse way of doing it. That's right. You know? Absolutely. So I don't know. I'm curious how many of your listeners out there have had similar experiences in their local school districts. It just is completely odd to me. And my spidey sense says something's up with it. Yeah. I'm so glad you told me that because I had no idea that that was going on. And that draws lots of questions. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. What what does the husband say about that? Where where does he stand with the free meals that are going on? Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't trust. He doesn't trust any it. Of it. Okay. He's probably more um, more leery of it even than me. He's glad to see that I am leery about it. But yeah, he definitely he um, he's he's become a prepper out of all this. Let's just say that he's. Hiding in the woods and prepping stuff. And I feel I feel bad that we keep call, we keep referring to him as the husband. Can we call him by his name? Yeah, his name's Rob. Rob. Okay, there we go. Now I feel much better. Now <laughs> we were just calling him the husband the whole time. Yeah. Poor Rob. He likes to stay elusive, but yeah. Yeah, we we can't we can't refer to him as the husband. We got to give him a little bit more respect than that here. Poor guy. But yes, uh, Lynn. My goodness. Time has flown by. We are not done yet. Almost, though. I'll let you go pretty soon here. I, I did want you to tell us a little bit more about your website and some of the work that you do, much more uh, on the uh, coaching terms and relationships. I, I, do you get that a lot? Do you get lots of people wondering about uh, their relationship or, or their careers? Rather, do you get plenty of emails or calls about that, Lynn? I do. Um, that's actually probably one of the things people ask me the most about. And, you know, when you say relationship, that's, it's not only just your significant other, but it could be a relationship with your children. It could be a coworker. It could be a best friend. So there's a lot of different dynamics that people have with each other. That- Lynn, what if, what if I hate my coworkers, by the way? And that's, <laughs> I'm not joking around. I mean, that's kind of partially why I left my job, uh, mm-hmm. pre, uh, pandemic or plandemic, scandemic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I quit my job before that happened because I hated the people I was around. I no longer wanted to be there. I thought I was going to strangle someone if I stayed there longer than I did. So, you know, I got myself out of that situation and my life has improved. My mental health has improved. I couldn't be any happier in my life just because I quit my job. Yeah, that's great. And sometimes that's what people have to do. Right. Fear's holding you back, but maybe that's the right choice for you. I, I'm really a firm believer too that a lot of times that when people will ask me something, they kind of know the answer, but it's almost like they need to hear 
it confirmed from someone that knows nothing about yeah, it. Yeah, they need validation. I have no emotional interest in, yeah. you know, what you do. Like if I was to try to do a reading on, on one of my children, it's difficult because I'm emotionally tied to them. So their decisions, they impact me because I want certain things for them. But when it's a complete stranger, the, I, I have no tie to them and I'm telling them something that they kind of already know. That's maybe what they need just to get over that fear to make a, a change in their life. No doubt. No doubt. And of course, I have to ask you, since we are coming to a close of this program and also a close in the month of September, we are pretty much close to October, finally, thank God. And yes, I am so ready for Halloween. Are you going to let your kids uh, trick or treat? What's going to happen there? Well, we have had a lot of discussion about that. Here we go. I got to know. I I would let them go only to neighbors. Um We've we've talked. The neighbors have talked, and we thought, okay, maybe everybody sits in the driveway. We just do a little thing, you know, in our circle. There's like a little cul-de-sac kind of mm-hmm. a thing where we live. That's a possibility. Or if they end up putting a kibosh on all of it, um, I was talking to my my neighbor who's my friend, and and what she might do is go to the store and just say, all right, boys, you each get one bag, you get to pick out, and maybe that's a fun thing we do. Or maybe I might make a pinata for my kids and hang in the backyard, like. I want to do something fun. I don't want to just skip it because I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite holidays myself. I I just like all the decorations, the food, all that. So yeah. we're trying to think of a creative way that's not not too out there, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Well, I'm glad you talked to your neighbors about it. That that I'm sure that really cuts some of the stress from your life in half, having to worry about your neighbors, making sure they're not giving out. Uh, candy laced with like a drug or something, right? Oh yeah, where I live, I uh, it, it's we're pretty close. It's a good good neighborhood, and as far as fear with that kind of stuff, I don't really have that. It's just more the logistics of working around the, the constraints of what is this you know virus like? What's the city going to tell us we can do, or what are the guidelines going to be, or what's what are people even comfortable with? You know, just because one person's comfortable with one thing, someone else might not be. So we're just trying to figure it all out. Like, what's a happy medium where we all can feel okay? And um, I don't know. It's still kind of to be determined. But right, mom might be putting a pinata in the backyard <laughs> with with my kids. I don't know yet. We haven't decided. So, Lynn, let me ask you this: In your mind, where do you see us going in terms of COVID nineteen? Are we going to have a viable and tangible, working, credible vaccine? Or are we going to just keep fighting about a vaccine and uh, more so, is the economy ever going to make a return? So as far as a vaccine, I personally don't trust anything that's coming out right now, especially because I I get that part of the reason this virus is even out there is because they want to push through this vaccine and they want, you know, Bill Gates, I don't necessarily trust him. Fauci, I don't necessarily trust him, especially because of the things that they said they're way shady. before this even right. happened. So anything that they're tied to, you know, Gates is on like some board at the World Health Organization and he's affiliated with people that I don't trust either. So as far as the vaccine goes, I think something will probably come out and people that are maybe really scared and it makes sense for them because, you know, when you weigh the pros and cons, it's more beneficial to take the risk of something that maybe they trust or not trust versus if they got it, depending on, you know, immune compromise, all that. So 
I think there will be some kind of a vaccine out there, but I don't see anything that we can fully trust until, you know, a couple years from now. And I also had this hunch because Bill Gates is really big into the population and decreasing the world population. And I thought to myself, this vaccine, it came to me, it could affect fertility, but we won't know for 10 years. You That's know, right. you're putting it in your kid and you don't really know what the side effects are going to be until several years from now. And I almost wondered if fertility will be something that we're dealing with, you know, 10, 15 years from now. That's and right. this vaccine will be tied to it because he's very big into depopulation. And this could be a way to do it that's not like just going out and killing people. You're you're reducing earthquake, the ability by the way. for us to reproduce. So. Uh, th- there's an earthquake happening in real time and everything is shaking. Wow. Yeah, everything is, um, oh, wow, th- that's strong. Holy crap. You all right? Oh, I'm good. I just hate this. Uh, there hasn't been an earthquake uh, in years, and this is the first one I've experienced that has been this way. Um, it's been maybe the last big quake was back in 2010, and the, the floor is still shaking, by the way. Uh, yeah, this is a big one. It's still wow. going. Holy shit. Oh, my God. It's still shaking. How bad? Yeah, it's, it's still bad? shaking. Things are still shaking here, but it's not as bad as the 7.4, 7.5 I experienced back in the the great, uh, what was that, uh, Easter quake. Yes, back here in Southern California. Oh, wow. Yeah, th- that was intense. I was, I got a little scared there. Wow. And things are calm. Well, we're still going. Yeah, I'm interested uh, to, to check online to see how strong that one was. Oh, look at that. I got an alert. Severe alert. Earthquake detected. Drop, cover, and hold. Wow. Wow. I've never seen that message before. Are you all right? Are you okay? Oh, I'm good. Okay. I'm used to this sort of thing. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was rough, but let me check online really quickly and tell you um, how strong that one was. Let's see. Yeah. Well, people felt it pretty far away from where I'm at here in El Centro. And no one is saying, yeah, I'm not getting any any answers here, except that everyone felt the earthquake. Uh, they're saying it's a 5.0. Wow. 5.1. Wow. It was pretty strong, and it lasted a long time. But yeah, that's that's what went down. Lynn, I'm glad you were here, though. That was exciting. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that it was. was exciting. I'm glad you're all right. I'm glad it wasn't worse. Oh, I'm good. Yeah, it was fine. Wow. That's a good way to end the show, though, Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to close. Yeah. You can't uh, write that any better. But, uh, Lynn, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. I had a great time talking to you, and I'm going to have to bring you back on again here, maybe on a Saturday night when I usually do the show live. Oh, that would be great. And can I just do a real quick plug on my yeah, book? Go ahead. Yes. To, yes. Uh, yes. Before yeah, I let I, you go, I, plug away anything you'd like. The floor is yours. Okay. Thanks so much. Yeah. I recently published a book and it's called Psychic Focus Journey and it can be found on Amazon. It can also be found on my blog. Uh, my blog is www.psychicfocus.blogspot.com. And what it is, is basically it's a story about how I got to where I am starting from when I was a young child and I share some of the things that I shared on tonight's program, but I go into more detail on about some of the things I've seen and witnessed and had happened to me and how I finally overcame the fear and started to develop and be able to help other people. So yeah, if someone would like to check out my book, that would be fantastic. Very nice. And what's the name of your website again? 
It's Psychic Focus, and it, the website name is psychicfocus.blogspot.com. Excellent. Yes, and that's where you will find more work from Lynn White. Check her out. And once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program, and we will do this again. Thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed tonight. This was great, and I look forward to being a guest again. Clockwise, me too. Well, stay safe out there, and we will see you shortly. Thank you. Good night. You take care.